Welcome to Outlander's Outcast. <laughs> You're listening to Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts, episode number eight. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, the lovely Desi. How are you doing tonight, Desi? I love how you say I'm lovely. Why? You really like that, or are you being sarcastic? A little of both. Okay. Well, I can change it up. I can go back to my better half. Am I really? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to answer this without getting in trouble. So. Oh, God. Answer it honestly. Like I said, I don't know how to answer without oh, getting in trouble. <laughs> anyway, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Oh, not too bad. Not too bad. Glad to be recording again. Um... We don't have to argue this week. You went first last week. I'll go first this week, if that's okay with you. Thank God, because I already had that figured out beforehand. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so, first, the first thing I want to touch on is um, I want to talk about something. I want to talk about something that's very difficult. <laughs> well, I hope you want to talk about something. We are doing this podcast to talk about stuff. It's, it, it's a very difficult decision in every parent's life, and I, like to, I want to talk about it a little bit. Maybe I should start my story with the parenting story. Let's see what you do. Okay. Baby naming is very difficult. (laughs) No way. As we know, naming our children was, you know, not too bad. No, no. The boys were easy. Yes. Because I said, I've always wanted this name with Ian. Because with Tristan, I had two boys' names picked out, and I had a hard time, mm-hmm. and Ian was one of them. Yeah. So, I said with Ava, when I was pregnant with her, I said, if it's a boy, or no, it started off with you. You said, I don't care what the first name is, yeah. as long as I can have this for the middle name. And yes. I'm like, boom, there's my fit, fit. Ian. So, that was, that was easy. Um, but the whole process and emotions behind it all especially with family and friends, can be a That's why we kept a problem, it a which is why we kept it a secret, exactly. Um, for, for instance, one lady here that I found on Reddit, uh, she and her boyfriend thought she had uh, the perfect baby name picked out. Um, <laughs> then she went and talked to her mother. Her mother asked her, you know, do you have a, have a name picked out? And she said, yes, we're going to name our daughter Catalina because the name is beautiful. I read this. And the mom broke down in tears because, you know, she, her, her father had cheated on her with a, a woman named Catalina years ago. You know, things like that. That's what happens when you tell people what you're going to name your children. And naming children becomes very difficult. Another naming children story from the news not that long ago. Baby Archie, Archie the royal baby. What are they going to name him? What are they going to name him? You know, it turns Archie out to be Archie. Her. And so I thought it was, you know, naming can be very, very difficult. So, of course, anytime you have a difficult problem, there's a new startup out there. Future Perfect is a startup founded by two moms who met on a playground and bonded over children's unique names. It's offering packages starting at $100 to help new parents choose what to call their children. You have a really weird look on your face. (laughs) They're they're charging? Hold on. This is absolutely ridiculous. But for $100, you can get the Riff package. It includes a 15-minute name-storming session via phone. And that's it. For $100? For $350, they'll sell you the works package, 
which is a 15 minute consultation session that leads to a list of 10 suggested first names and 10 suggested oh middle God, names for the I baby. I give somebody 10 <laughs> names. Exactly. I mean, literally, if you want baby names, you don't even have to buy a book anymore. You just go to Google, no. type in baby names and look and pick something. $100 for 15 minutes with these people. Or you go on Facebook, like most people I see nowadays, say, I'm looking for names, mm -hmm. and everybody has an opinion on what you should name your child. And of course, everybody does. Once again, why we didn't tell anybody. <laughs> yes. Because you don't want to hear their opinion. You want to have that name to yourself. That's a special thing for you. I learned my lesson with the firstborn. Mm -hmm. Like, I told everybody what I was looking at. And everybody told me why I should not name them that. Of course. And this was the girl's name, mm -hmm. actually. Because I picked one thing and I just heard nothing good about it. It is funny how with some kids, though, like um, Ava. We picked Ava's name. We thought it was a beautiful name. We don't hear it Very a lot. rare. There's like three of them in her class. <laughs> like, yeah, how does that happen? Kristen, 20 years ago, didn't yep. realize it was a popular name. I picked it. There was one kid that was in my sister's grade. His name was Kristen. And then I went with E-N instead of A-N at mm -hmm. the end. Because I'm like, I don't want no nickname of Stan. <laughs> We're going with Tristan. Yep. And next thing you know, it was like, boom. Legends of the Falls. Tristan was everywhere. Yep. Well, anyway, this uh, this stupid startup, um, they're quote here is unlike the subjective opinions friends and family members might give you our advice will be neutral unbiased and tailored to your needs and ridiculous this is a dumb startup but i couldn't help but uh, talking about it lesson one if you do decide to keep it secret you just do what i did with ava we had a babysitter I won't name shana's name or anything <laughs> but that's good she kept harassing me and bugging me what are you going to name the baby? I swear I won't tell anyone. Da, da, da. And I explained to her, I don't want to because I don't want to hear the negative side effects to mm -hmm. anybody's opinion. Because guess what? This is the baby's name. Yep. So I just wanted to hold the baby and go, aww. Da, da, da. And that it's a big deal when that's the first time they hear that baby's name is when they see that baby. Then, you know, it kind of becomes one. You exactly. Know? So then there's not all this judgment because one... That's the baby's name, and you're holding the baby, and you're putting the face to the name. Mm -hmm. And two, it's too late. Yes. Too late. Nothing you can do about it. So she wouldn't leave me alone. So eventually, I said, "Fine, but you got to promise not to tell anyone." I don't remember what you told her, but I'm pretty sure I know this story, but I don't remember <laughs> it. I told her. I said, and she said she promised. She sweared she wouldn't say a word. And I said, "Okay, but when I tell you, I need you to kind of sit back and think about it for a little while." She goes. Just tell me! <laughs> She's like 15 at this time. This is like 10 years ago. And I said, her name is going to be Vagina. <laughs> She's like, what? And I said, are you judging? <laughs> you said you would not judge. We are going to call her little Vajayj. <laughs> <laughs> She's oh. like, you've got to be kidding me. I said, this is exactly why I'm not telling people. Because I want that baby to come out and people to hold her and be like, oh. JJ. <laughs> she sat there for 15 minutes thinking about oh this after I scolded her for judging vagina. <laughs> and thank God we don't have a daughter vagina. <laughs> and, and she after a while was like, you know, 
after I thought about it, I kind of like it, like, 15 minutes mm-hmm. later. The day she was born, and I was like, welcome, Ava. She, Shada was so mad. Because <laughs> I never told her. You never her. told her the truth until yeah, Ava was born. If she told anybody she was wrong. <laughs> that's and that's how rumors get started. That's <laughs> All right. What have you got for us today? <sighs> I was still laughing over that. Sorry. You're not sorry. Okay, so you know what? I'm going to do a switcheroo. I was going to go with a different story first. But I think since we're on children and controversial things, mm-hmm. this might be something. It's a little bit different for cultures. So there are some listeners who may actually do something like this if they're from different countries. Okay. Um. I don't think this is a common thing in the United States anywhere. However, I could be wrong. Actually, I did see people from Texas talking about this. So it probably does happen in the States. But up here, I don't hear of it. But it could still happen, too. Mm -hmm. So babies who nap in sub-zero temperatures. You nap? Nap. Like, the parents put them in in their stroller. (laughs) No, and leave them outside to sleep. Okay. So, I mean, I'm not judging or nothing, but okay. <laughs> apparently, this is huge in Russia, Sweden, Finland. All the huge. cold places. Like, All the cold yeah. places. Um, so, daytime temperatures in winters in Stockholm regularly drop to negative 5 degrees Celsius, which is 23 degrees Fahrenheit. We know that feeling. <laughs> and it is... Still common to see children left outside by their parents for sleep in their the pram, which is the mm-hmm. stroller. What? But they cover it with the blanket. Is there a reason for it? Is it just a cultural thing, or is it supposed to? I don't know. Encourage some kind of growth or help the baby sleep or. So in this. Is it just so, if they're out of the house here. and it's quiet? No. <laughs> no. Um. There's pediatrician, like, Swedish Environmental Protection Agency. Um, they have found preschoolers who spent many hours outside, generally not just for naps, took fewer days off than those who spent most of their time and indoors. More act- acclimated to the amenities out there and pick up it's a little more air. things. And get fresh air and build your immune system with it. And, indoors, germs yeah. kind of get... It's like how we always talk about where we work. There's, like... Yeah, there's no, hundreds of no people pressure. in the building, and then the ventilations, and people come in in the winter, sick, coughing, mm-hmm. germs are, like, spread like wildfire, and if somebody came in that started the plague, it would definitely happen in our building. Definitely. I remember when I was a kid, actually, now that you say this, um, when I, when I you know, learned something like this for the first time, telling my mom, Mom, I don't care how many times you tell me I'm going to catch a cold with my window open in the winter, it's going to help me not catch a cold. <laughs> and that is very true, because I even read somewhere that somebody still to this day sleeps with their window cracked at night. And I know a lot of people like that. And it's because it gets the fresh air going. Yeah. So Okay. It's just weird that if the babies... Just, like, I get, I get spending more time outside... But it just seems weird. But it's a it. cultural thing. No, like, yeah. This it, is normal. So obviously, it's see, going like, to seem weird to me, and it's totally going to be normal to them, and that makes total sense, especially if it's a cultural thing. But, and it's they said, like, nowadays, most daycare centers in Sweden put the kids outside to rest. It's common to see 
rows of prams lined up, or maybe I should say carriers mm -hmm. or, or strollers, lined up in the snow at nap time with youngsters fast asleep inside. Mm -hmm. And it's the fact that they're bundled in a swaddled mm -hmm. position yeah. and they're all snug. They're not able to move much. Yeah, they're not. And they're not the like cool cold. air it's usually just... will put you to sleep. Yeah. So being wrapped up like that, it makes you warm. So your body temperature isn't really cold. And they actually do this in the sub-zero temperatures. Like, this is even a winter thing. Yeah. Even that though really cool. we see colder temperatures yeah, we reading see this. Colder temperatures and I'm like, I was a little bit shocked by that. Yeah. Just because, like, Russia. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, parts where well, they Well, maybe get... Russia is a little bit colder, but the, I was reading more on Sweden and Finland. And I'm sure there's parts and times where they get as cold as we do, but not... Uh... I don't think it's for quite as long and on the regular. That's very interesting. I I always like hearing about um different things cultures do that are that make you go, "Wow, that's weird." But it's not really weird. There's usually a reason behind it. So it it's not weird. And then um there's a saying in Sweden, "There's no bad weather, only bad clothing." Okay. So I guess that's saying as long as you're bundled up and then you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get freeze sick to from death cold and air. hypothermia or something like that. No. I mean, we have, we definitely have times of weather here where you wouldn't want to do that because literally just skin exposure in for five minutes can give you frostbite. Okay. <laughs> but, bundle them up. Yeah, we completely bundled up. put a blanket over. Yeah. Um, there are times if it's too windy out, they will bring babies sure. inside, but then they'll like crack the windows mm. or something. So. Oh, there's they... a blizzard coming. We got to go shovel. We, bl bl blizzard just came. We have to go shovel out the kids. They're buried in the front yard somewhere. <laughs> Shit, I fell asleep on the couch and they're out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they they say that sleeping outside, the kids nap longer. So okay. they could go anywhere indoors from a one to three hour nap yeah. or one to two hour nap. And then outdoors is um, one and a half at the shortest to three hours. And nice. I'm like, three hour naps? I used to like taking three hour naps when I was younger. I now really I love to like that hour nap. Three-hour nap. That must be nice. But, yeah. That was cool. Very interesting. Very interesting. I thought it was kind of interesting. A little mm -hmm. a little culture shock, I guess. Imagine going to those and then... Because they say they leave the kids outside when they go to, like, cafes or something. Mm -hmm. Leave the kids outside if they're napping and the parents will go in. I'm like, mm, kidnapping? Is yeah, that that's... a thing there, too? You would think. So, Maybe. I don't know. I guess you know, if it's normal, it's normal, I guess. It's normal. So, since we're in Europe, I'm going to stay in Europe for my story. Where are you going to live? I'm not going to live anywhere, but I'm going to tell you a story. And the story is not like headline news today. It's actually headline news from a year ago. Okay. But that's okay. Because it's interesting. Yeah, I have stuff that's not headline news today. Anyway, this uh, most of this came from the New York Times, which uh, I did also look at some other places because I wanted a little more information. I thought it was really interesting. But um, about a year ago, uh, two pages of Anne Frank's diary, which had been covered by brown paper, were uncovered by researchers and able to be read for the first time. This is like one of my favorite history things mm -hmm. of all time. And... Mine too. I love the story. I love the diary. I learned a lot more about it than I ever knew before because I guess when I've read it in high school and I was even in a play. Um, Read. Good. 
but I still didn't really know the history of how I didn't realize that she was trying to become a writer. That was the point of the second diary. I didn't realize that. That's something I never. Second diary? Um, That's she, how much I know. I when guess. she was 13 years old, she started keeping a diary. And at 15, she had heard on the radio that the Dutch government was looking for um, people who could give their stories about what was happening under the German rule. And that's when she decided she was going to take her diary and rewrite it into a story, which is the diary we all know today. So the diary we all know today, it wasn't a day-to-day kind of thing the way it happened. We also have those diaries. Those are also available. All the stories are true according, you know, they all match up between the two diaries. But one of them was written kind of for the world to see, and one of them was written just for her person. But two pages. She had taken brown paper, glued it over the top of them, obviously, so nobody could see them because these two pages discussed sex. I didn't think she was the one that covered those. I thought it was her dad. It could be. It could be her or her dad. I, I, didn't, I didn't find out exactly who covered them, but they have been uncovered, and we have, uh, I have a little bit, I have a little bit of what they say. I don't have the whole thing because due to copyright law, the Dutch government is not translating. <laughs> <laughs> the diary out of Dutch. I'm sure Dutch. And they won't let it, I'll read it. They won't let you. it be posted in English any the full thing be posted in English anywhere <laughs> yet. Um, but hopefully that changes at some point in time. But um, one of the point and and the um the brown paper was covering one of the, this is an early diary that wasn't meant for people to see anyway. It was kind of her starting to be a writer and learn how to write. Um and she started this this two-page section with I sometimes sometimes imagine that someone might come to me and ask me to inform them about sexual matters. How would I go about it? She attempts to answer, addressing an imaginary listener with a lofty tone, using phrases such as rhythmical movements to describe sex and internal medicament to refer to contraception. Where did she learn this? It's a good question. I mean, at this point, she's writing that she's 13 years old. Was her mom around? I didn't think her mom was... Her, her mom was? Yes, her mom. No. It was her older sister. Yeah, she didn't, her mom wasn't okay. around. Okay, she has an older sister. That explains a lot. Um, she also touched on things like, uh, phrases like, a sign that she is ripe, which meant she was <laughs> menstruating. And when talking about prostitution, she said, she said uh, in Paris, they have big houses for that. <laughs> <laughs> they used to in, in close to one of the town over from us. Yes, yes. I just, I, I thought it was really interesting because it shows an early part of her writing where obviously sex is a, is a topic she was not like extremely confident in at 13 years old. So because of her lack of confidence, she decided to write it like somebody was asking her a question and she would answer it to the best of her ability. And I thought that was really cool kind of to see how she was kind of playing with writing because she wanted to be a writer. Funny. I thought that was really cool that these uh, these pages were uncovered. But yeah, that's that's what I have about Anne Frank and her diary. <laughs> it's a very interesting story. The whole thing is interesting. Um, I was just I kind of talking about the two pages here, but a while ago when I was reading on it, so that's why I knew a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. So, but it's been a while since I read that article. Mm-hmm. And you know, for anybody that doesn't know the story, she was. Uh, 
held captive, or not held captive, she was hiding. If somebody a, doesn't know the story, it's I'm going to be blown away. It's possible. I hope they're 11. Maybe, maybe. That was probably mean. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they, it was just never entered. If it's never been introduced to you, it's not your fault. But, I thought it, this is common in schools to go through Anne Frank and Some schools, I'm sure it is. Some schools, I'm sure it's not. But it's talking about the Holocaust. I, know. I can see maybe in Germany where the Holocaust never happened. How about downtown Chicago, where they have trouble, you know, getting the kids to sit down even to listen to anything in some schools because they don't have funding to do anything. Okay, you've proved your point. <laughs> so anyway, um, if, if you are at all curious about things that happened during the Holocaust, it's a great kind of reflection on a normal person's life hiding, a Jewish person's life <laughs> hiding, person. hiding in, in the In hiding is not normal. You no. now denormalized. <laughs> yeah, okay, <She's> not normal. <laughs> Somebody who's hiding for their lives. And um, unfortunately, it ended with them being caught and dying in concentration camps. So. Poor Anne. Yep. I wonder what she'd say today if she was still alive. Or maybe 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. So, my next story is a little on the lighter side. Okay. So, first question. What is the cheesiest proposal you could think of? The cheesiest proposal that Engagement I can think of? proposal. I always think like the sporting event proposal is really cheesy. Like the, I'm going to propose to you at halftime, we're going to be on the big screen and there's thousands of people looking at us. So you admit there are cheesy proposals. Yes. <sighs> That's not a romantic. Sorry. You should be. <laughs> <laughs> So, bride-to-be mocked for McDonald's Big Mac proposal, but others say it's perfect. So Okay, that's okay. That's cool. That's different. It's different, but it's cheap. This yeah. is where she's getting mocked for it. Okay. I mean, I yeah. could care less as long as you find it's, like, romantical and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, well, everybody's different. When I said that I thought like the sporting event thing was cheesy, it's because I always found that was a, I want the attention and I want everybody to see what I'm doing, when to me a proposal is, I just want your attention and your attention alone to the person I'm proposing to. Um, but, so that's why I always thought that was cheesy. Things like cool. this, where you, know, you don't have a lot of money and you find a unique way to propose to somebody, <laughs> I think that's great. And a Big Mac? Sure, why not? I mean, I hope she likes Big Mac. I'm assuming because she opened <laughs> it up and then boom, there was a Big Mac. She didn't put it like in the burger where she could have ate it. No, she? see, there's the picture. It's right okay. on top of the yeah, bun. I like I'll that. I'll post this on Facebook after. I like that. So people can see. But yeah, she's being mocked more or less. Okay. Um, one person's like, look, it's like a McNightmare. <laughs> oh my God. I know. People are so judgmental. Another one's like, Big Mac, Big No. Their comment, um, that better be a Big Mac, five guys or nothing, or that better not be a Big Mac, five guys or nothing. <laughs> like, really, people, let's just be happy. She's happy. She posted it because she's excited. Yeah. She's happy. If she's happy with it, then be happy for her. If you're her friend or her family member or somebody who knows her, leave her alone. Like, it really, I mean, I know there's a lot of people out there who have certain stipulations for the person they're going to marry, how much money they have, and how much... A lot of people are like that, but 
I have stipulations. Everybody should have some stipulations, but the stipulation shouldn't be, you know, is that ring worth at least a year's salary? Oh, I'm not talking like ring wise. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I wanted specifics. Yeah. I knew I had like ideas. Yeah. But as for that, I didn't really care. It was who I was going to be with. Well, number one stipulation. Do you have a job? <laughs> well, yes. J-O-B. There's Can nothing wrong with that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I just mean people who who you can tell from the beginning they're not really marrying because they love the person. They're looking for a a way up. Oh, yeah, exactly. But yeah. I think a Big Mac is very romantic, and there's nothing wrong with that in any way, shape, or form. Kind of reminds me of a story I read, if I have... I, I will oh. have to say, though, if you did this to me, I would have punched you in the face. You don't like McDonald's. I know. I would have never done that to you. You wouldn't eat the Big Mac. I guess then I'd have two Big Macs. <laughs> kind of reminds me of a story I actually read earlier today, just a short little snippet of um, a guy was standing in line at the bank, and there's a guy in front of him, and the guy in front of him is hitting on the teller, you know, pretty hard. You could tell he's trying to pick up the teller, and he. Uh, <laughs> How the, much did he weigh? The guy, the guy asked <laughs> the guy end up the guy asked the teller out on a date if you want to go on a date sometime, and the teller looks down and looks up and says, "With eleven dollars and thirty eight cents in your bank account, I don't think so." Oh my god. <laughs> I thought that was very similar, but interesting. Maybe you shouldn't hit on the bank teller if you don't have any money in your account. Oh, my God. That just kind of confirms my, I wonder when they look in my account, what they're thinking. (laughs) I'm sure there's thoughts. I'm sure there are. I'm putting money in today. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not requesting more than what's in there out. (laughs) Don't judge. Anyway, any, anything more about that? Is that, that it? I don't want to cut you off and end your story. You're really good at cutting me off. I know, know, I know. Yeah. Nope, that was it. Okay. Cool. Well, you know, if somebody proposes to you in a Big Mac and you really like Big Macs... We know that it the guy be, is loaded okay. and I'm probably only marrying for the money. That is me. But okay. It's <laughs> the only way I'd accept that <laughs> if it wasn't for love. This is true. This because is true. the well, person, if they propose to me, like you said, I don't like McDonald's. So if you're proposing with a Big Mac. Yeah, yeah I can understand that. Yeah, you better be Big you Daddy be. Mac. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, maybe after you eat that Big maybe you're eating that Big Mac because you got the munchies. You I'm get- not smoking anything. But somebody was in my next story. Oh, oh, it was a lead-in. It was, it was. Oh, so cheesy. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and actually, I, I don't know if anybody was smoking it, because my story doesn't talk about smoking. But, California court says possessing marijuana in prison, not a crime. Well, isn't it legal in California? It is legal in California, but five people, since it became legal have been charged with felony possession and convicted and had time added onto their sentences for marijuana in prison. So the, okay. Cal- the California Court of Appeals, uh, the 3rd District Court of Appeals in Sacramento, uh, overturned the conviction of five inmates uh, who, had been wrong, who had been found guilty of possessing marijuana uh, 
convictions all added more prison time to their sentences. Uh, the court said, in plain language of Proposition 64 is clear, a, a panel of three judges said, um, possession of less than one ounce of cannabis in prison or a similar penal institution is not a felony. Now, I thought this was a good thing. As course. long as it's not a federal prison, I'm assuming. I'm, I'm assuming if it's a federal prison, you're going to be in, you might, you might you're gonna be in get, a federal, get a federal charge out of it. But a state prison, they can't charge you with possession. Now, the comment section on this article was like the, was garbage. Because all it was was a bunch of people arguing, oh, yeah, you just want to let people in prison get high. And no. Yeah, you're not allowed. The hell down. You're not allowed to smoke marijuana in prison. And you know what? If they want to throw you in the hole or make you cut potatoes, they can't. Because it's against the rules. But it's not against the law, and they can't add time to your sentence. That's all this was saying. But people are all up in arms over, oh my God, they're going to you know, let them get high in prison. That's a California prison for you. It's like, no, that is not what this is saying at all. This is just saying, like, it's, it's not going to follow the state law. If it's the state not, law allows it, it, it. We're going to let the inmates. It's, but it's not even that they're letting them do it. I mean, it's not illegal to own, own pornography, but you can't own pornography in jail because it's against their rules. But they just can't give you more time for it because it's not a crime. But they still make the rules, and I get that. You can't smoke marijuana, you can't smoke marijuana. I was going to say, wait a minute, people in prison have been in trouble for shit. Oh, yeah. No, you get in trouble for but all kinds of things, the, but they don't okay. add to your sentence. They might throw you in the hole or maybe take away good time, but they can't add on to your, <laughs> add on take to your away good time. No TV for you today. <laughs> Some marijuana, and they took You're away their good time. You're not my mom. If they took away their <laughs> marijuana, I bet they took away their good time. <laughs> probably did i'm assuming anyway i was you know kind of I, I liked hearing this i like this is from the district court of appeals so it's a you know federal federal court high court one next you know one more step below the supreme court so it's pretty much a final decision well it only makes sense like how could somebody be charged for something that's legal within the state i agree but i'm sure but that's there's a lot of people who disagree like, as long as it's state prison too, because it is. Well, no, it, yeah, no, it is. It, there, it is right now. It is a, a federal crime, so I do understand if you're in a federal prison, maybe they can charge you for it, but not in a state prison in California or any of the other states where it happens to be. I don't see how anyone could get anything into a federal prison because that's usually where the glass is. I'm sure there's ways. Like I am sure oh, there are people who smuggle, know somebody who works in the laundry and they smuggle in the cigarettes and there's they. A will you well, know, there is I'm a sure way. it happens. I'm sure it happens. I'm sure it does too. That was my story. Well then, I guess I will get to mine. All right. Going to go from prisons to planes. Kind of I planes. Kind of feel like being in a plane feels like prison. It is because all those germs. Ugh. Yeah. And then, the people—if you get stuck in a middle seat. Yeah. And this girl was in a middle seat, but I actually saved her life. Okay. So, have you ever heard of Lance Flight 508? No. Okay, so back in, on December 24th of 1971, um, there was a plane going from um, Puerto Inca, Peru, and it was supposed to arrive... Where the destination was to Lima, Pucallapa, Peru, okay. or from Lima, 
to Pukalapu. Pukalapa. I used to know somebody Peru. from Peru. I bet she'd be able to pronounce those. Perfectly. I bet she could. And I ha- even have like that, like Spanish. Yes. With the R's. Mm-hmm. Or, see, I can't even do it. I sound like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you all had a good laugh. <laughs> so, um, but anyways, on this flight, there were 92 occupants and one survivor after lightning struck the plane. Holy cow, one person survived? One person. So, they were, um, it was like the worst lightning strike disaster in history. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sole survivor was 17-year-old Julianne. I'm assuming the last name's Kepke because there's somebody that I know with this last name, mm-hmm. but this has an extra letter in it. So we're going with Kepke. Okay. Um, who was strapped into her seat and fell 2,800 millimeters, or meters, meters. Meters, that meters. is. Meters. That's, that's a long ways. It was an M, not an MM, <laughs> ML. I don't know. Meters. Wow, Nine, that is a long ways. That was in 200 feet. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like a mile and a half, almost. And this was into the Amazon rainforest. So already at this point, I'm like, where is Amazon rainforest? Because uh, I would probably wish I had died. Yeah, you're going to get eaten <laughs> by something once you, if you do survive. Well, maybe not, because there's a lot of dead people around you that they could pick off first. <laughs> well, actually, when I was reading this, um, there was no one around her. She really? was in the seat and fell ripped out of so the plane. Ripped, okay, so she got ripped out of the plane. Everybody like else goes down with the plane. Ripped, no, like oh. everybody ripped out. Okay. Like it blew up. But she was the only one to survive. She That's was the only crazy. one to survive. They did say there were probably 14 other people who... Did survive the crash, survive the crash but because but of the, the injuries, yeah. that they lived maybe maybe three or four days and then died. Oh, yes. We're in the middle so, of nowhere. You're not getting rescued anytime soon, I guess. Well, she survived and had a broken collarbone. Okay. So she's lucky it wasn't worse. How long was she out there? Um, She said... Or she didn't say... Let me look for that. Sorry. I didn't get that far. You're not sorry. You like to make me jump all over the place. I was interested. You're I like, want to know. Jump! So, she, she was, she fell this far, and, okay, so it was her priority to find her mom, because it was her mom, and they were going to fly to see her dad. Okay. Um, she did find a few sweets that were with her, and it was her only food, and then she was able to locate a small stream, she waded through, wade through knee-high water downstream, from her landing site, relying on survival principle her father had taught her that downtracking downstream should eventually lead to civilization. The stream provided clean water and natural path through the dense rainforest vegetation. Thank God for her father teaching her that. That's amazing. I'm going for one knot. And then have you ever seen the movie Anaconda? Yes, I have. I'm like, "Uh, yeah, I'd be like following on the shoreline. But without that information, I'm guessing she wouldn't have lived. Probably know? not. She was 17. How many 17-year-olds would think that? Yeah. Northern Minnesota is a little bit different. Yeah, you could see a river, but I was taught if you're in the middle of the woods, you look for the moss on the tree because it's always on the north side of the tree. Yeah. So, you follow the moss, and, and going you north know anyway. you're not, because otherwise you end up just walking in a big circle. Yeah. And you don't even realize you're walking in the big circle until you come across the same tree that looks that weird shape there for the 10th time. And you're like, 
Yes. What is going on? Lost so, in the woods. Nothing like being lost in the woods. But I'm sure it's nothing like being lost in the Amazon. That oh, would God. Be I would die. I would just die. Well, most so. people did in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> this one girl was very lucky and did not. And she was. And it said during trip, or the trip, she could not sleep at night because of insect bites, oh. which became infected. Well, I'm sure. And then after nine days, survival spent floating downstream. She found a boat. Um, near a shelter where she found the boat's motor and fuel tank. Nobody was even there. Hmm. And then um, she apparently dumped the gasoline on her wounds, and Ooh. she counted 35 maggots that fell from one arm. Oh, my God. And she learned that trick from her dad, too, because he used to dump gasoline on dogs mm-hmm. who were infested, infested with, maggots. with maggots. Yeah. So that way they would come out, which I learned something yeah, from there. I'm like, wow, cool. that is kind of cool. So, and then after that, she waited there because she didn't want to be caught stealing this mm-hmm. boat. Um, well, and I'm it was still, like you know, an hour later that lumbermen who used the shelter arrived and tended to her injuries and bug infections. And then the next morning, they took her via a seven-hour canoe ride. So that would have been cow. a lot more walking if she went to come across this boat. Another seven? Oh, my god! Seven hours by canoe. By canoe. Wow. So they're paddling, I'm assuming. That's... So, yeah, that's, that's, that's a little crazy. Could you imagine how much of a relief it felt when you saw a boat, though? When you saw a sign of civilization? Saw a boat, but then nobody's even Nobody's on there. It. That sucks, like, but... Argh. You know, but at least you know I'm... People come here at some point. Maybe I'll get rescued. That's and, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was that was pretty interesting for sure. But they did make two movies. The first one was back in '74, and then um, back in 1998, Wings of Hope. So if Wings anyone's even Hope. interested, I wonder in if that, it's on Netflix. Maybe. I'll have to check. Could be on Amazon too. It could be on Amazon in the Amazon. There you go. But yeah, she wrote a book and everything, so if anyone's even interested, there is a lot of information out there. So That is cool. That is, uh, you know, obviously a tragedy. A lot of people died. She, I'm sure, was you know, suffered her entire life, at least in some way, shape, or form from this incident. But that's amazing that she was able to survive. You know how many people would have, at some point, found maggots in their skin and just gave up at that point? Oh, many, many, many like, people. She you know, definitely is survival of the fittest. Yep. She she did it. Yep. So. And, you know, thank God she had a father who taught her some, some woodsy type stuff. And I find it funny because uh... she's actually, they're from Germany and hmm. they're zoologists. Zoologist. That's why they were in the Amazon. Okay. So they were. So, yeah. They were studying. Studying things. different animals and stuff like that. And... So she was there for that, went back to Germany and. Became a zoologist herself. Hmm. I wouldn't want to be anywhere near animals or woods for the rest of my life. Well, she went back. (laughs) She went back. Yeah. And studied bats in the Amazon after she graduated college. Well, that's cool. Good for her. Good for her. All right. I think that's all we've got this week, isn't it? I guess so. All right. You can uh, always email the show at outlandishoutcasts at gmail.com. Uh, you can go on the Facebook at Outlandish Outcast Podcast. Leave us a comment, like the page, people. Yes, <laughs> like, share, 
Um, leave us a comment. Tell us we're horrible. That's fine. Just leave us something. <laughs> you <don't suck. laughs> no, you suck, buddy. You're still listening. <laughs> Joke's on you. Anyway, we'll be back next week with more uh, of things that interest us here on Outlander Shoutcast. I Have talking about things that interest us. Yes. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.